Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Mike Anderson, and to start things off, we're going to highlight our Shields Outdoors customer of the week. This week's winner is Ajay, who can be found on Instagram under Fishing with Ajay. She's actually a hairstylist that will give any bass angler out there a run for their money. Congratulations, Ajay, on being chosen as our Shields Outdoors Customer of the Week. So at Shields, some of the things we really pride ourselves on is our experts. And today we had a couple of our fishing experts here in the marketing department. We're doing a little bit of uh, videos, some how-tos, some tips and tricks, and we have a couple of our experts from the St. Cloud Shield store. We've got Jake Gieske and Andrew Clark. Hello. Hello, good to be here. Yeah. Jake, you want to introduce yourself first? Tell us a little bit who you are, how long you've been with Shields, what Mm -hmm. what you like to do? Yeah, so I've been at Shields since the spring of 2015, and initially I started off working support, and over the years I kind of transitioned into sales, part-time sales, and then started doing some of the social media stuff with our St. Cloud Shields Instagram page, and it's just kind of been going right around that since. So we've been doing that for about a year now, year and a half, and it's been pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to admit that that St. Cloud Shields is one of my favorite pages to follow. Just the the content you guys put out is just so real and you can just see everyone having a blast. You know, you got a couple yep. of guys that are that are pretty good with a video camera and uh, pretty good at getting on fish too. So it's it's a lot of fun to see. Yeah, we try to have fun with it and that's that seems to be like our goal is to have fun with it and just show like our customers that what we do out on the water it's not just product and everything like we go out to have fun and what we really want to do is just give everybody the best experience possible. So if we're out having fun, we like to bring it back to the store and show our customers that we're having fun and this is what we're doing to have that fun. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And just, you know, being outdoors, being outside, getting fishing, it's just, it's a great activity to do right now. I mean, you can social distance while doing it and, uh, and you can just, you can have so much fun. There's so much to learn and, and you guys are just doing a really good job showing, showing people that. Absolutely. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So how about you, Andrew? Can you, can you give us a little bio about yourself? Yeah, I came to Shields in 2014, uh, started as a part-time sales associate and then slowly transitioned into what we call midtime, which is um, just a few more hours a week and then went to full-time uh, the following spring. Uh, running the fishing shop with a couple other guys. And I can say that the amount of knowledge that you learn and the amount of stuff that you go over uh, with customers and yourself on a daily basis to really adapt and overcome, you know, a fishing challenge or, you know, learning a new lake is something that's fun to explain and and share with other people uh, as well. So it's something that I've loved my job ever since working there, and I don't ever plan on that changing. Mm-hmm. So what is a day in the, in the Shields fishing shop like? Uh, depending on the time of year, it could be pretty hectic. I mean, if you talk about springtime, everybody, you know, coming up to that time, 
everybody's getting ready to get their boats rigged up, get gear rigged up. Uh, they know that, you know, things get only busier as you get closer. So more people are learning year after year that, hey, I want to be productive. I want to be ahead of the curve and get the stuff that I need so I can be set up and ready for on the water. Days turn to weekends, and weekends are that much busier. I mean, you're getting fishing reports, you're getting people wanting fishing reports, and you get people going out and coming back with good news, bad news, otherwise, and you just kind of take it, roll with it for your own personal good, and then pass it along to the next person. So uh, a day in the fishing shop can be everything from a slow day where you talk to a couple of regular shoppers you know, every day, and then it can be something where you're talking to a new person every three minutes. And uh, I would say I'm happy with either or. I mean, low-key days are fun, but busy days go by fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I have to say, every time I walk into a Shields, I just, uh, I really enjoy going to the fishing shops. You know, I just the selection is awesome. I mean, they have just about everything I can imagine on fishing stuff and, and just the people that are there. You know, just the, the experts that come and, you know, every time I'm in there, they're asking me, hey, is there anything we can help you find? You know, it's just the, the staff, I have to say, coming from, a you know, I, I just started working at Shields, you know, two years ago. And, you know, it, it doesn't change between before or now. It's just everyone's still asking, hey, can you, is there anything you need? Can, can we help you with anything at all? And it's just, it's super refreshing to mm-hmm. see at Shields. I think it's something we take pretty seriously that we can help people find what they need in a faster manner or maybe find something that they didn't need that now they're learning something new or we can give them a different experience on the water. And so it's cool hearing testimonies from people, you know, whether they bought something from you and went out and used it and it worked or maybe they had the worst experience of their life and they learned from it and we can learn from it and go uh, a different direction, maybe recommend something different for a different lake that they're fishing or a different scenario that they're trying to accomplish. But at the same time, when you're a customer going into a new Shield store or a repeat customer going into a Shield store, it's nice to know that no matter what state you're in, no matter what city you're in or what store you're walking into, you get the same experience and the same customer appreciation from the employees that we pride ourselves on every single day. I mean, as much as regulars come in, we enjoy seeing them. We enjoy talking to them, getting their experiences back and just making sure that they're always happy coming in. You know, if we have product on the shelves that they're looking for it's a double win but just the experience with those people and just the personal interactions are something that i know we all pride ourselves on as salespeople. it goes beyond the sale it's building relationships and a customer basis that you only hope grows and grows you know year after year and hopefully their family comes in and their kids learn something and you know they maybe one day will work at shields too and be able to pass it on to their customers mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely so you touched on uh you know, coming up with something new and something different. And that's kind of, uh, that's kind of the reason why you guys are here to talk about some, about some products for the upcoming open water season. Can you touch a little bit on, uh, on what you guys have done here today? A couple of the products. Yeah. Yeah. Today we were touching base on just, um, little tidbit videos on maybe how to make improvements in your tackle box, how to make improvements on the water with gear. Um, one of the videos was touching on rust prevention you know, everybody hates rust. It's something that it can ruin a lot of money, you know, in gear. Um, it can make it a difficult day if you end up going to the doctor's office because you stuck your finger with a rusty hook. So we touched on some Plano and uh, Flambeau products that all have rust preventative in them. Um, we touched on um, some mapping and how to read a Lake Master chip. 
you know, and how to utilize that to the best of your ability, whether you're ice fishing or whether you're on the water, you can really navigate your fishing goal or your fishing habits to a certain area and pinpoint it and in turn tune out the rest of the lake. You can really just focus on certain areas. And then uh, we also touch base on line selection, different uh, types of line, different brands of line, benefits to both, and what scenario you'd use each of them in so that people can make the right choice out on the water and hopefully be more successful. Mm-hmm. Talked about rod selection too. I mean, for especially last year, I mean, high school bass fishing has become very, very popular, especially around us in central Minnesota. So a lot of young anglers are going out fishing, starting to bass fish and it isn't really realistic for them to pick up 20 to 25 rods like a professional angler. So we kind of dialed in like our top three favorite bass fishing setups for even like like price point stuff, you know, something that isn't going to break the bank for a high school angler, but something that's going to work for multiple situations on the water. So that's another cool thing that we really talked about. So Okay, you've officially piqued my interest with that because <laughs> I've been uh – you know, my whole life I've been a huge walleye guy, but I've always been, you know, kind of interested in getting into the bass game, mm-hmm. but I don't have any bass specific stuff. So I'd like to hear your spiel. What are your, what are your three setups and, uh, you know, that you recommend for the person just getting into bass fishing? Yeah. So I'd say my top three, the first one would be like a seven foot to seven, three medium, heavy, fast action bait casting rod. So something like that, you can do pretty much everything you want with it. Top water, Texas rigs, jigs, spinner baits, chatter baits, pretty much everything that you would want to go throw with a bait caster. Something that you need a little bit extra power. That would be like the number one workhorse. And then I would say going up to like a seven foot four to seven foot six heavy action. Something that you can get through like the thicker stuff with. Do a little bit more of like the heavy hitting stuff. So heavy flipping through. Uh, mats, flipping around lily pads, something where you need that extra power on the rod. Uh, even like topwater frogging, when you're launching out a cast and you're working that bait back, and if you get hit at the end of that cast, you need the, a little extra length on the rod to really have some leverage on that fish, to bring that fish in, keep it out of the weeds. So those are the two bait casters, and then I said a six and a half foot to seven foot medium fast spinning rod. So with that, that'll pretty much cover all your finesse tactics. I mean, Wacky worming, uh, light Texas rigs, drop shots, Ned rigs, that pretty much does it all. And with those three setups, you can pretty much throw everything you want on the water. What's your favorite setup for bass Ooh. or style of fishing? Um, there's a few different tactics that I really like. If I had to pick one, if I was going to go out and just crush fish with one tactic, it'd be drop shotting for sure. It's something that I... Last year, I got really serious about it and caught some fish on it, and I gained confidence with it. So it's kind of turning into a confidence bait for me. But something like that, even like a weightless wacky worm around a dock, I mean, you can just crush fish pretty much on every lake. And I think Andrew can attest to that too. So, I mean, if you're going to take like new anglers out, it's an exciting deal where you can just catch fish. They're not so worried about catching big fish, just catching fish. Those are probably my two favorite drop shot and wacky worm if I had to pick pick two. It's tough to pick one, but picking two, that those would be it. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll let it slide with picking two. <laughs> That's okay. All right, uh, Andrew, what about your favorites? Yeah, I mean, starting out, everybody wants something simple. They want something that's uh, productive, to say the least, you know, when it comes to producing fish. 
I would say I started kind of like Jake on a just weightless Senko rig. Um, and when I take family out or I take friends out that don't, don't do it a whole lot and don't have the, the hands for it per se, you know, the feeling that when you start with something weightless, the benefit is when that fish picks up that lure, picks up that worm, that hook, whatever it is, and you feel that tension, it's not normal. When you're used to literally there being no weight there and all of a sudden you feel something, you don't have to tell someone what that is. They just know. They set the hook, they let it rip, and then they just start fighting, you know, a largemouth or a smallmouth bass on a spinning or setup. Because typically with something weightless like that, you're not going to use it on a baitcaster. It just wouldn't cast super easy. So majority of people can use a spinning reel and you can reel it in just fine. The fight is a little bit more than it would be on a baitcaster setup just because your rods are typically a lighter weight rod. So it feels that much bigger. But at the same time, it doesn't matter if it's a one pound fish, if it's a six pound fish, the fight is what gets your adrenaline going, gets your heart pumping. And it doesn't matter the size. Once it gets up to the side of the boat, you're just glad to be catching fish. And a Senko rig that you just cast out there and you just let that thing sink for 15 seconds and just twitch it every once in a while is something that you could have someone as young as six years old do all the way up to someone who's in their 90s that just wants to cast off a dock. They can all master that style of fishing and catch fish day in, day out, not a problem, you know, versus something where you really got to have the feel for it like a a jig or a jerk bait where your cadence is going to be more of of a determining factor in your success Mm -hmm. makes sense um you you touched a little bit about bait casting reels i don't personally own a bait casting reel right now but i've always been you know interested in them but i've also been a little worried like i'm gonna get i've seen nightmare line tangles and stuff (laughs) i imagine i imagine that has a lot to do with your, you know, your cadence and, and tossing it out there, but a lot to do with your line selection too. So I'd like you to convince me why I need to get a bait casting reel. Yeah, it's, it's ironic that you said that. Actually, one of the videos that I forgot to mention was going over tips and tricks on how to use a bait caster, just because we get a lot of people with the same questions. You know, they're intimidated by it or they've had a bad experience with it and feel like they're scarred for life, which, you know, as a salesperson and a fellow angler myself, I don't ever want to hear that. I don't want people to give up on using something just because they're either scared or had a bad experience. So my tip is just adjusting that bait caster to the sensitivity that you need, tightening up your spool, um, breaks, tightening up your spool tensioner, um, just to really allow that, that reel to limit the tangle that you can ensue at the end. And uh, a backlash or a professional overrun, whatever you want to call it, you know, when you tie a knot in the line and it, it snaps back at you is a fisherman's worst nightmare. But in the video, we'll go over how to pick it out. You know, basically, you just want to get to the root of that problem. You want to get down to the bottom of that knot. And you just want to pull that line backwards and try and find where it looped over itself and just pull it clean and then just pull the line straight back out the spool towards the tip of the rod. And it'll work itself out and then just reel up your line tight. Line selection comes down to just having a thick enough line that it lays flat on that bait caster because the benefit to a bait caster, especially when fighting bigger fish, whether it be pike, um, bass, or even walleyes at times if you're trolling, the gear ratio is directly inside that handle. So on a spinning reel where you have the neck of that handle that comes down, you lose a little bit of your torque in there because that handle is going to flex. It's going to give a little bit. Where that gearing is right inside that double handle on that baitcaster, so you can fight pound per pound and try and get a little bit more leverage on that fish. It's also going to be something where the gear ratios change a little bit more than what they do on a spinning reel. 
where a spinning reel you're typically going to be at probably a five and a half you know um, rotations per crank of the handle to where bait casters you can get as fast as I've seen some that are pushing nine rotations you know per yeah, that Revo Rockets 10 yeah per like spin 40 inches per turn, per turn. So. so when you talk about line pickup or even just casting and doing less work the more line my reel can pick up with me having to rotate that handle less, the less fatigued I'm going to be at the end of the day, the less wear and tear on my gear at the same time. And now if I get a fish on that line and I can reel it in faster, less chance that fish is going to pop off or less chance that I got to worry about, you know, a net job from a buddy in the boat that, you know, could get squirrely at times or, you know, maybe it goes phenomenal, but at the same time you can get that fight to you faster and on your terms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And with the bait casters, just efficiency, you know, mm -hmm. being able to, being able to reel in faster, make more casts, you know, in the, in the bass fishing world, like, it's not like walleye where you're just, you know, letting yeah. it out and drifting right. behind right. the boat or really whatever, finesse like you're making a ton of casts. Yeah. So, you know, like you're going to get tired. So mm -hmm. that, that makes a lot of sense. So you guys also touched on electronics and, and keying on different areas. I'm, I'm curious about that. Can you go into a little bit more detail? Yeah, well, we really tried to showcase in that video just with um, time crunches and stuff. As we went over uh, Hummingbird Helix 8, we went with a Lake Master Minnesota chip. We just showed um, Lax Lake in Minnesota. Uh, we just wanted to showcase structure, how to highlight certain depths so that you know you can target certain depths. And then in on, on top of that, we just really tried to pinpoint what people are looking for for structure, whether you're trying to find, you know, inland turns, if you want to find, you know, a little back bay area where fish might be hiding out. When you can really dissect that map and that, tar that cartography and just really try and learn something about where the fish are going to be or where the fish have been and utilizing waypoints and trails and, and habits that you've had on the water, it just becomes a diary, if you will, to, you know, next time you go out or pastimes that you can use in future trips to try and learn either where to go again or where to avoid at all costs so that you don't waste more time on the water. Um, but locators in general are just, it's mind numbing how much they're changing lately. Uh, you know, we were talking before the podcast about, um, the Garmin live scope and the pan optics and now Lawrence is coming out with their active target and hummingbirds coming out with their mega live and just all these new technologies that are at the disposal of each, each individual person. I mean, they're not targeting one person or one customer in general. Everybody's got their ticket that they can do. And all of these are just made to, to get you on fish faster and more efficient. And we've been putting it to the test. I mean, on our St. Cloud page and on the, the corporate page for Shields Outdoors, I mean, you can see it for ice fishing alone, where if you can drill less holes and get out on fish faster, not only are you out in the cold less, but you're also putting more fish on the ice. Whether you're keeping them or not, you're doing the sport that you're out there to do and enjoying the resources while they're out there. And so the more you can do that and the easier you can do it, the more people you can get out there and experience it with. That and just... I remember the first time I experienced, it wasn't the live scope, it was like the standard pan optics. We were out fishing and it was my first experience seeing a, a real live time fish come in and take my bait. And it, it has to be what people feel like when they're playing video games. Cause that's what it felt like when I went out on the water. And ever since then, it's like playing a video game when you go fishing almost. Cause it's such a, 
just watching the fish and seeing how they react when they come into your bait. And I mean, I know that you've used it, Mike, just being out on the water and especially with panfish, finding schools out there where, especially like you said, where you're not really looking to find them. And then you go and try something new and you find them. It's just crazy. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're just, they're absolute confidence inspiring tools. You know, you, you develop an understanding of lake structure and where you think fish will be. And it just, it does such an excellent job confirming your suspicions. You know, like I'll, I'll start out at, at a hole that it, lots of people know about there's lots of you know for ice fishing for example there's a ton of houses on a crappie hole and it's like okay people catch fish there people have caught fish there in the past but you know let's let's take that knowledge and take it a step farther okay let's look for similar basins similar structure spots that you know people have a drilled on you know let's let's go to those and test our knowledge and see and in with those tools you can actually you can see the fish how they're relating and and set up on some fish that don't that haven't been pressured yet and that can that can just be huge for you mm -hmm. the more you learn out on the water the more you can try and you know relate to the next time and you know, as we're working in the stores and we're selling these products to people, there's there's two different dimensions that people take. Either they they think that technology is going too far and it's going to hurt the fishing populations um, because fish are going to be caught, you know, at a higher rate because of, you know, the new technology and being able to be on top of the fish more. And then there's guys and gals that are very fortunate to have that because maybe they don't have the time to get out on the water as much. And so their time is very valuable. They don't want to waste four hours of scouting just to fish for a half hour if they can do it the exact opposite. Half hour scouting, fish for four hours, maybe throw every fish back, but at the same time, they can still enjoy that sport just the same. Now, I truly believe that it doesn't matter how good your electronics are, you still physically have to get that fish to bite. So there's some days where the fish are just lethargic. They just don't want to do anything you want them to do they're there i've had days where i dump the camera down there just because i'm so frustrated at fish stacked in my fish hole and i can't get a dang one to bite but at the same time you throw your camera down there and you realize okay you know it's nice size crappies it's nice size sunfish but it's just not their day it's not my day it's, it's time to move on to a new spot and just give up on it and you know the cardinal rule is you know you don't leave fish to find fish and i've definitely had the bad side of that you know where you learn your lesson but at the same time I don't need to get frustrated over fish not biting. I'm out there to have a good time. I'm out there to have fun. I don't need that, you know, negativity pressure in my mind. I would rather just go out and move on to something different and maybe try and learn something new on a different part of the lake versus pressuring the same old fish day after day. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's just a way to way to learn new things and, and perfect your craft. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about open water fishing. That uh, that season's coming up here. You know that that's what you guys have been given uh, tips and tricks on. What are you guys going to be doing opening day? Ah, uh, opening day is uh, always Mother's Day weekend, so I try and devote that Sunday to uh, you know spending it with mom. So. Saturday, sometimes we try and get out early morning um, to where we'll typically go chase walleyes that first day um, just to try and get on a good bite and just get it, as bad as it sounds, get it done with, you know, so then you can just go start chasing bass, you know, the rest of the year. Um, but usually we'll just start throwing jigs, you know, jigs and shiners are really popular, jigs and rainbows, you know, something simple, but 
at the same time, if you take someone out who doesn't necessarily know what they're doing or just wants to get on fish for the first time, most people can catch a fish on a jig and a minnow and, and have success with it. So that's more likely that's where I'll be. Yeah, I'll be on the water. I mean, for the most part, opener, any opener, like deer opener, turkey opener, fishing opener, you don't sleep the night before. <laughs> so it's really more so just being out there and getting out on the water on opener for me. Um, like Andrew said, like I'll, I'll start out fishing walleyes too right in the morning. And then if it's going to be nice out in the afternoon, then I'll do a little bit of bass for the most part is what I typically do. But, uh, usually, uh, openers are pretty bad weather. So you kind of hunker down at a spot, fish for walleyes a little bit, eat some lunch, warm up a little bit, and then get back after it in the afternoon. But I'm definitely excited. I I'm, I'm ready. I'm kind of getting all jittery just thinking about it, but, uh, as especially as new product starts coming in the store, that's when I have definitely turned from, okay, I've done a lot of ice fishing this year. I'm starting to think about open water fishing, especially coming up here. I had to get some of my stuff organized and that kind of flipped a switch for me. So I'm getting really excited and it's, it's going to be a good year for sure. Very cool. How about so, you, Mike? What are you going to be doing on opener? You know, I haven't really decided yet. Um, a lot of times I actually, I don't get really into the opening fishing game. So I'm, I think I'll probably have to do that this year, but you know, when, when we do, um, fishing opener, uh, what I really like to do or what I've started doing now is, uh, is like rip jigging. Mm-hmm. I've gotten really, really into that. It's just a super fun way to, uh, to fish and it's something that I hadn't really done before and something I was super curious about because I hear people talking about it, you know, tossing jigging wraps and, you know, driving over structure to find them. And it's, it's not the easiest thing to do. It takes, it takes a while to figure it out. You electronics really help. But then once you, once you start doing it, start having success with it, it's one of the absolute most fun ways of catching mm-hmm. fish you can stack them up fast you yep. can target big fish so if uh if i find myself in a boat or an opener i'm probably going to be tossing on a jigging ramp and they don't just come up and grab the bait either they throttle it when they want that thing they'll rip the rod right out of your hand so mm-hmm. it's Ex- always fun exactly you know fishing I, I grew up fishing walleye and it was, it was always you know i'm either going to be vertical jigging or I'm going to be drifting and it's, it's generally like a finesse game. You kind of wait for them. You have to make sure, you know, feed them line and all that stuff and rip jigging. You just kind of throw that out the window. It sounds like you'd be a good bass fisherman trying to get after it a little bit. You know what? I, I think I would enjoy bass fishing. I haven't, I just haven't got into the bass yet. I, I've always really enjoyed crappie and walleye. But, um, you know, the more I talk to people on podcasts that are super into bass fishing, the more I get interested in it. So why do you, why do you guys like bass fishing so much? For me, I would say like when I started fishing a lot, like everybody else was on a dock, throwing a bobber, just catching fish was the most part of it. And then it turned in from like going out on a boat, catching some sunnies when you were younger, somebody would take you out. And just the action was really what like clicked for me. And I went out walleye fishing a few times. I tried musky fishing a few times and it was just, I I got really bored fast. And then I started bass fishing and just the high intensity 
I mean, catching fish, it's not super hard to catch bass. Some bigger ones, yes. But when you can get on some lakes where they're just loaded and just throttle them, that's what, I mean, that's why I like it so much. It's just high pace. You can do so many different things and you're always moving. You're always thinking about, you get on a spot and you're like, all right, what's the next spot? And you're thinking about what else should I be throwing? And it's just so many different things instead of trolling. I mean, I don't, I don't bash walleye fishermen at all, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a different game and a different pace, I would say. I think the benefit to it is the interaction that you have just with the, the sport itself, the casting and retrieving, you know, burning line, if you want to call it that, where I enjoy walleye fishing a lot and I enjoy, you know, eating walleyes and throwing walleyes back and all of the above. But at the same time, if I only have a couple hours in the morning before work, let's say I work at noon, and I want to go out for a morning bite. Walleyes, you got to spend a little bit more time doing your recon, doing your your scouting to try and be on the spot. Anybody can go out and throw a throw a, a lure at a dock. Anybody can go out and find a rock pile, you know, and throw you know a jig at it or something like that for for bass to where, you know, if all I'm doing is just going out for the sake of the sport to just to catch fish to catch fish, bass fishing to me just comes a little bit easier um, with no real measurement of success or failure other than maybe if I don't catch, you know, anything in a little bit of time, you know, I just learn, you know, learn what not to do. But at the same time, I'm not out there to keep fish. I'm just out there to, you know, enjoy reeling in a couple um, and just being close to shore and just enjoying company with people. You know, you can talk and bass fish really easy. Not that you can't walleye fish. I mean, if you're trolling or, doing like you were saying, jigging wraps and ripping wraps, you can sit there and talk, but at the same time, days can get long. You know, they can get slow and there just isn't a whole lot of action going on to where, you know, I can sit there and cast and retrieve, cast and retrieve all day long and just be mentally stimulated to the point that time goes by a lot faster. That not a lot of lakes, like bass fishing wise, like starting off, you're throwing where they're living. Like you're throwing at a dock. You're putting it in places where you think that fish is living. You can visually see it above the water. Laydowns, weed edges, reeds, like floating bogs. You can visually see where you think that fish is living. And it, I mean, it helps you learn a lot more about where they're actually living, unless you're doing like offshore weed edge stuff. But typically you can pull that fish right out of its home and watch right where your bait landed, know exactly where you caught that fish and why it was there. So you, I, th- I feel like you learn a lot about those fish and what they're doing pretty fast bass fishing too so sight fishing bass is one thing that i think goes underrated by far i mean even if you're you know fishing panfish early in the year and and you know the the bass are up shallow and uh, getting ready to spawn and the you know crappies and sunfish are all up there shallow as well and they're all kind of mingling together you know if you're just throwing a, a slip bobber for panfish and you're watching how the largemouth and smallmouth bass kind of integrate in with them and you know, you see how the panfish protect their beds from the bass and then, you know, vice versa, you know, the flip of the season, you know, sometimes you'll get it where bass are on their beds and sunfish come in and, you know, they just kind of look like they're bickering back and forth. That type of stuff to me is addicting just to learn how they're interacting, learn what they're doing, learn what a predator fish is doing. Are they just swimming around with their mouth open, eating everything that, you know, they come in contact with, or are they down there, you know, trying to, you know, coax a fish away from its bed so that it can go, you know, eat, you know, the eggs and, and, you know, demolish that territory. So when you're up shallow and you can see all that stuff, sometimes it's fun just to not even fish, 
just sit there and put the trolling motor on spot lock or throw an anchor down and just study. Just try and take something away from it that you normally wouldn't have. Try and use a locator that you can't see, that you can't interact yourself with, you know, and just see what they do. I think that's kind of what's going to be crazy about those live units too now because you can visually do that up shallow, but not, I mean, not until you got those live units. Now you can do it out in deeper water. You can visually see how the fish are reacting to your baits, which I think is going to be pretty crazy. So I'm excited for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, bass fishing, it just sounds, sounds perfect for someone that just wants to get into fishing. Hasn't really done a lot of it. That thought is pretty interesting, but like, oh, I've got, I've got ADD. I can't put up with hours on a lake. You know, there's, there's so many different ways to bass fish and, and, you know, they put up a heck of a fight. It's, it's a lot of fun. And you can do it anywhere. I mean, in Minnesota, you know, we're lucky enough to have thousands of lakes to fish, but even the Mississippi River, you know, you can go out, you can wade out in waders on the Sock River. You know, I mean, there's endless possibilities that people who don't even have a boat can utilize the same thing, whether it's a fishing pier, you know, just down from a landing on a lake or, you know, walking the shore of the river, you know, and you can just go out and cast under bridges and do all this stuff and be just as successful as somebody in a boat and, you know, not be limited on anything to where I just think, you know, if you can go out and spend time on the water, no matter what caliber of fishing you're doing, don't be shy to or hesitate to do it. Just go out and, and enjoy the time outside. Yeah, that's exactly one thing I wanted to touch on with bass fishing is, you know, you, you don't have to have a boat to do it. You know, like you guys talking about your favorite tactics, you know, flipping, flipping under docks or weed edges and stuff like that. You know, there's, there's no excuse that, oh, I don't have a boat. I can't fish. You know, you can, you can do this from shore. You can get into it, you know, without spending a ton of money. You can buy yourself one good rod and reel, some tackle and, uh, and you can get after it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's relatively cheap. I mean, if you think about it, you know, bass fishing, you know, there can be some finesse styles to it, but a lot of it is you just need a, a rod strong enough to, you know, handle the fight to where, I mean, a person in all reality could go out there. And if you had, a hundred dollars to spend on tackle rod reel you could easily do it and you could catch fish all day long i mean we were talking about senko rigs earlier you can buy a bag of plastics for 5.99 you can buy a shields pro angler rod for 40 dollars. right there you're at you know 45 bucks if you you know get a reel for you know 30 bucks you know you're still under 80 bucks to where now you got money for you know, hooks that are a couple bucks a pack, you know, you could buy weights, you know, for a couple bucks, you might even have money left over. But at the same time, you don't need high end gear to be successful at it. You can go out there with whatever you want. It could be a cane pole for all that it matters. And you can catch a bass on that. If, if that's all you have in your arsenal, go out and have a good time. Like, don't let that deter you at all, because everybody deserves to have a chance out on the water. And whether you make, you know, six figures, whether you make, you know, money cutting lawns, I mean, go out there. And if that's your passion, go out and enjoy it. No one will judge you for it. And if they do, shame on them. You know, you're going out to do what you love to do. And I don't think anybody should be shamed for anything that they're using. 
we, we sell to everybody, and I think that it's phenomenal, whether it's a 12-year-old kid going out fishing, getting his first setup, you know, that has some money from doing chores around the house to someone who maybe hasn't done it for 40 years, and they want to get back into it because they remember doing it with their dad or their grandpa or whatever it is, you know, good for them. Like, I applaud those people for getting after it again. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you, you strike me as a couple guys that might have a fishing story or two. I would like to hear each of your favorite fishing stories. I would say uh, if, if I had to pick my worst day of fishing, I mean, there's always been a couple of them. I don't have anything crazy bad or, you know, super dangerous, but uh, I've had times where when I was a new boat owner, you know, you're jacked up, you're, you just can't wait to go out fishing. And as a matter of fact, I was meeting Jake and another buddy out on the water and had the boat for maybe a week or two, went out, got on the lake, took off, motor kept killing. I'm like, oh, what is going on? They parked their boat next to mine. They jump aboard. They try and diagnose the problem. Here, you know, it's just a simple mistake of someone, you know, who was a new boat owner, but, you know, didn't charge the batteries. You know, just dead on the water, didn't have any, you know, choice. So, okay, you know, you jump start it. You let it run for a while, you know, to try and charge it up. And then by the end of the day, we fished so long that we killed the battery again with all the aerators and radio and you know all the locators running that the only way to get back to the access was using the trolling motor and we only hope that didn't die too you know i mean stuff like that are frustrating times in the moment but at the same time you learn from them and you you live by them and now you can kind of joke about it but in the heat of the moment it sounds dangerous you know it's getting dark you don't want to be out on the water your batteries are dead you have no option but to just keep on trucking and trolling it two miles an hour and you know get across the lake which took an hour but at the same time you made it and you're here to tell a story about it yeah i mean i would say pretty much along the same lines for as far as stories go those are the ones that kind of stick in your memory like running into stuff with your boat uh is big i mean we fish the river a lot we always get to get parked up on stuff but we were down south on uh lay lake in alabama and we had takeoff. First of all, we didn't have mapping for down there. And we were in, in college and we didn't want to spend the hundred and some dollars just for a map for down there for five days for this tournament. So we just used Navionics on our phone and we take off going wide open down the lake, probably going 58 miles per hour. And the way that that lake, it's like a, a flooded reservoir. So there's trees up in 40 feet of water that are barely sticking out of the water and they have a mark. There's floating like gallon milk jugs connected to these trees. And at this time, uh, I had a partner with me and I had him watching for those. And at the very last second, all I heard was, oh, and we smoked one and looked back and we were, we almost fell off the boat. And the, I mean, those kind of memories are the ones that you're glad that nothing got wrecked and you're okay. But those are the ones that seem to stick with you too. Then you think back on the positive days where it's something is, you know, you don't catch any record, record breaking fish, but you know, I've had times where with buddies that, you know, it was unfortunately a, a day that I had to work and uh, it was a Sunday. I worked at 10 o'clock and I went out in the morning and we fished early morning. We we're of course bass fishing. And, you know, by nine thirty when I had to leave, we had caught, you know, 
30, 40 fish. And I was like, holy smokes, man, this is awesome. You know, like too bad I got to work, you know? And like I've said, I love my job. I love working at Shields and I love working with fishing. But at the same time, there's nothing better than being on the water. And it just happened to be a slow day that day. And I talked to one of the assistant managers and I just told him my story. And he was nice enough to let me back off the hook and said, hey, you know what? If you want to take off a little early today, take off a little early. And I called up my buddy and we went right back out to the same lake. And luckily enough, the fish were still there. And we caught another 50, 60 bass that day. No, it could have been the same 12 bass all day long, you know, for all I care. But at the same time, it was one of the most memorable days where nothing went wrong. You you could have put your finger in the water and you could have caught a bass on it. Like they were just jumping at anything that hit. And you want to say you learned something from that. But at the same time, it was just something that I was grateful for, that it was an experience that my buddy and I still talk about to this day that you just go with the flow and you try and capitalize on the time while you're out there. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So one of my favorite fishing stories, it, it just happens to be a bass story. And, you know, you Whoa. guys are talking about your, uh, <laughs> about your interesting happening, happenings, issues with, with your stuff out there and whatnot. So um, my, my brother and I would fish this really little lake in, uh, in central Minnesota, like middle of nowhere. And, um, the the bass like there's just so many bass in there there's never anything with like real big size the biggest you'd catch is maybe like two and a half or three pounds but there was just so many of them out there and we figured the, um, the best way to catch them is just use a plain hook and a and a, a lengthy worm that would that would float like basically just at the top of the water and you and you toss it out in areas that you'd think that that bass would be hanging. You give it just a couple of twitches and, and you just get ripped. And <laughs> it was just, it's so fun. And, uh, we, we talked to a buddy about this and he's like, Oh, I don't, I don't hardly fish at all. I want to try this out see what, it, see what it's all about. So, and we had this little 14 foot boat and my brother and I took, took my truck and that boat out there and, and my buddy met us and we did our, we did our day of bass fishing and we caught like, Oh man, it must've been like a hundred bass and just, you know, pulling them up hand over fist and, and got through most of the day. And we were gonna, and we were gonna, you know, load the back, load the boat up and, and take off. And, you know, I got out and I realized that I didn't have my, my truck keys with in my pocket and they were in the boat. So my, I can see your guys' faces like, oh, no. Yeah, so so my buddy took the keys, tossed them to me, and I was still in the water at this point, which was really stupid. And and they went off my fingertips and dropped down into the lake. And I spent the next, like, 10 minutes putting my head down, searching, trying to find these keys, and it was, it was mucky, crappy bottom. Oh. And it was like, oh. my keys are gone. So we're stuck in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, well, you threw my keys, and you should not have thrown them to me when I was in the water. So you're going, you're taking your truck, and you're headed head back to our place, get that set of keys, and... My brother and I hopped back into the boat. We caught another like hundred bass. <laughs> well, he went back to get the keys and, and got them, and you know everything worked out fine. We caught a pile of fish, but man, pro tip: do not throw your keys to somebody that's standing in the water. No. Just don't do it. No. <laughs> or throw them far enough so they hit shore at least, and you can go over and get them. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, 
Oh, that's a good story, though. I like how you went back out and just kept catching them. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fun stuff. Fun stuff. So, all right. Well, it's been a great time with you guys. You know, learned quite a bit, learned about, you know, stuff that's coming up. So appreciate your time and uh, just wondering if you can uh, leave us with a little last tip or words of wisdom. Yeah, I would just say, uh, you know, obviously we're all fishermen or outdoors people um, that are listening to this channel and as we're sitting here talking to you guys and I just hope that everybody can kind of stay safe out there and hopefully stop into a store and come visit us, whether you're at the St. Cloud location or you're at the Fargo location, just stop in and chat with us. I mean, we love, um, you know, shooting the breeze with customers and, you know, swapping stories and hearing success stories and all that stuff. So my tip to you would be just go out and have a good time. Enjoy the time that you have outside enjoy the time you have with people who enjoy doing the same things you do and just keep making memories, keep learning and keep trucking. I agree with Andrew. I mean, everything that he said really, I mean, that's, that's really what we're here for too, is just making that connection with our customers and building a relationship with them, sharing our success on the water. And we love to hear theirs. So it was a, uh, it was a good day talking about fishing and I'm excited for open water. Yeah, we were glad to be here. Thank you for having us. Mm -hmm. And we enjoyed every bit of it, being up in Fargo and meeting new people and shooting videos and, you know, talking about stuff, fishing. Day goes by a lot faster than anything else I could be doing. Oh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. So just, you know, hopefully, hopefully listeners out there, you know, learned a little bit from this segment. But, uh, you know, main takeaway is these guys are these guys are called experts for a reason. They're super, super passionate about what they do. And, uh, you know, just want to see you have the, have the same level of success. So thanks a lot for, uh, for joining us today. Thanks Thank you. Us. You just heard our conversation with Jake Gieske and Andrew Clark of the St. Cloud Shields store on what you can see from us coming up on social media, along with a little preparation for the open water season. These guys go to show that all of our Shields experts are just as passionate as you about being on the water and are there to help with anything you may need to get ready for the season. If you like what you heard today, please give us a follow on the listening platform you chose today and make sure to check out Shields Outdoors and St. Cloud Shields Outdoors pages for more content from Jake and Andrew. And with that, we want to thank you for listening and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.